Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned into the Cherry Picking Podcast with your host, Andre Cherry. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Andre Cherry, your host of the Cherry Picking Podcast. And I want to welcome you in to another very exciting show. This week, we will recap week 14 action, and then I'll preview week 15. So let's just dive right in. Let's get to it. In week 14, my power five locks for this past weekend in the ACC, I had Notre Dame over Syracuse, and I got the victory there. 45-21, to 21, Notre Dame laid the beat down on Syracuse. Irish quarterback Ian Book had a very impressive performance against Syracuse. He accounted for five total touchdowns, including a 24-for-37 passing performance for 285 yards and three touchdowns through the air with one interception. With the victory, Ian Book became the all-time winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history. He's playing very well. Notre Dame is playing very well. They're headed to the ACC championship game. And so things are looking on the up for Notre Dame. And so we'll see if they can continue this winning tradition, especially this season, the way they're playing. They look like one of the better teams in the country, if I'm being honest. So great win for Notre Dame. And I get the win in the ACC. In the Big Ten, I had Ohio State over Michigan State. This was slight work for Ohio State. They got the victory 52-12 to over the Michigan State Spartans. And in this matchup, Ohio State went off in this game, racking up 521 total yards, including 322 yards of rushing. Good God. Buckeyes quarterback Justin Fields went 17 for 24 for 199 yards through the air with two touchdowns. His favorite target of the day was wide receiver Chris Olav, who hauled in 10 balls for 139 yards with one touchdown. Fields also rushed for 104 yards with two touchdowns. And his running back, Trey Sermon, you know him from Oklahoma. He transferred into the program this season. He carried the ball 10 times for 112 yards and one touchdown. So Ohio State, they're rolling. I think they're 5-0 and right now. And so, you know, they're going to try to play their game this weekend against Michigan. And they're going to try to win that. And if they can win that game, they'll go to the Big Ten Championship game where if they win there, they'll most likely be assured a spot in the college football playoffs. So we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But what I found interesting about this matchup, Ohio State was without some players due to COVID. So according to ESPN, the Buckeyes played without three starting offensive linemen and a linebacker. And so the team listed 23 players out for Saturday's game without specifying any reason, but many of them had been active against number 12 Indiana on November 21st. And their head coach, Ryan Day, tested positive for COVID-19 late last week. He actually watched the game from home. And three other full-time assistant coaches also did make the trip to East Lansing, Michigan. So they were able to win uh, amid a COVID flare-up on the team. And so we actually didn't know who was going to be ineligible until, I think, a couple hours before kickoff to this game. So I'm glad for Ohio State fans that they were able to field a team and be competitive and and get the victory against Michigan State. We'll see, like I said, if they will be able to play this upcoming weekend against Michigan. But with COVID, it's been so fluid of a situation that we may not know until mid-next week how things are truly looking 
on both programs to see if they'll be able to play this game successfully. So I found that interesting, and um, I got the victory there out of the Big Ten. If we look at the Big 12, I had Iowa State over West Virginia. And I want to shout out to the ISU defense for shutting out West Virginia from the end zone for three straight quarters and only allowing six points to come in the fourth quarter. This defense had three sacks and eight tackle for losses on my good friend Casey Kane's beloved Mountaineers team. Cyclones quarterback Brock Purdy had an impressive performance on Saturday as well. He went 20 for 23 with 247 yards passing and three touchdowns. So damn near perfect performance by Brock Purdy. He's been there a while. He he knows how to win. That team is playing very, very well. And they're going to end up at the Big 12 championship game this season. So hats off and shout out to the Iowa State program. Iowa State finishes with an 8-2 and record, 8-1 and in the Big 12 for the 2020 regular season. The eight conference wins are the most in a single season in program history. With the win, Iowa State also claims sole possession for first place in the Big 12 regular season standings. So Iowa State is all set for a trip to Arlington, Texas for the Big 12 championship game, which will be played on December 19th. So, so shout out to that program and for that culture at that program. You know, we've seen, you know, dating back maybe five, six years ago, the team was laying groundwork. That, that program was laying the groundwork and the foundation to improve that culture and, and to inspire a winning tradition. And they, they are winners in every sense of the word. I will be really, really excited and really, really interested to see that Big 12 championship game with Iowa State there. Because if I'm being honest, it's nice to get some new blood, some new teams in that championship game. And we'll see you know, what Iowa State can do. But very, very impressive victory over a West Virginia squad that while on paper, you know, they seem mediocre. They have some talent on that roster. Like they're loaded at some at some positions. So that's a really impressive victory, team victory for Iowa State. So I get the victory out of the Big 12. If we look at the Pac-12, this week I had Colorado over Arizona. The Buffalo's defense shut out Arizona in the second half. The star of the game was Colorado's sophomore running back, Jarek Broussard, who carried the ball 25 times for 301 yards. If you can believe it or not, it's the fourth best single game total in Colorado history. And now he's the first player in program history to rush for 100 plus yards in the first four games of the season. So that's a really impressive stat. And that's a really, uh, really cool thing to see from Colorado. They are rolling along. They're playing very well. They're undefeated. And I'm excited to see what they can do the rest of the way. Then in the SEC, I had Missouri over Arkansas. I got the victory here. This was a crazy game of offense from both of these teams. The Tigers and the Razorbacks accounted for 1,200 yards of total offense combined. Razorbacks running back Traylon Smith and Missouri running back Larry Roundtree III, who I feel like he's been there forever. Uh, Maybe that's just me, but I feel like he's been there quite a long time. They both had three touchdowns for their teams in this matchup. They also both had over 170 yards of rushing apiece. This game went down to the very, very end. Missouri had the largest fourth quarter comeback in their school history. So during this game, Arkansas took a one-point lead from Missouri with only seconds left to play. The Tigers put together its game-winning drive with just 43 seconds left after Arkansas took the lead. The Hogs had scored a touchdown, and instead of electing to tie the score with an extra point and likely head to overtime, they decided to go for a two-point conversion and the lead, which is what happened. 
The Tigers then executed a perfect two-minute drill. True freshman kicker Harrison Mevis knocked in a 32-yard field goal as time expired to send Missouri to a 50-48 win over the Razorbacks on Saturday at Memorial Stadium. So, great win. And I said it on the last podcast. These two teams are playing better than I expected them to play this season. They both had some very impressive wins. And I I thought Missouri might have enough at home to get the victory. And so, boy, I mean, I'm excited and thrilled to see that they were able to get the two-point victory over uh, Arkansas squad. It's crazy that they put up 1,200 yards of total offense combined. So that was quite the game. So exciting. And so that rounds out my top five locks within the Power Five conferences for Week 14 action. I went 5-0. and I went 5-0 and this week, and that's exactly what I want to try to do every week. And overall, I'm 49-10 and when making these straight-up predictions. So a very good Week 14, and I'm looking forward to Week 15. But we'll get into that after this quick break, this short timeout. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. What's going on? It's Casey Callan, host of the Characters of Boxing and Beyond podcast. I'm here in beautiful Charm City, and I just want to remind you about a new book from Clear Contender Media. It's called How They Got Their Billions. We're exploring the business stories of pro football's 32 NFL owners. Every NFL team is worth well over a billion dollars these days. Some NFL owners amass their fortune through inherited wealth, oil exploration, but other stories are more far-fetched than fiction. So this new book, How They Got Their Billions, by me, kind of exploring the different path that all of today's 32 NFL owners took to acquire their fortune and team. So definitely check this book out. It's available right now clearcontender.com slash books or you can find it on Amazon and uh, have a good one everyone want to know what life is really like after the game is all over real athletes are here to share their true stories of adversity and triumph every week on after orange slices even if you don't like sports pro athletes former college stars celebrities coaches public speakers doctors and all kinds of experts join the show and there's a little bit of something for everybody join me bridget for a slice of inspiration plus your everyday sports news sprinkled in new episodes every friday at 8 a.m pacific standard time available anywhere you get your podcasts hey everyone welcome back to the show on this side of the break we'll hop into my week 15 power five locks these are straight up predictions and so we'll just dive right in in the acc i'm taking pittsburgh over georgia tech Both of these teams are coming off of losses, but I give the advantage to Pitt in this matchup. And if you can believe it or not, three of the last five of these games have been decided by less than a touchdown, including last year when Pitt led 21 to nothing at half. So they play really close, really competitive football, but I give the advantage to Pitt. I'm taking them as my lock out of the ACC. Then in the Big Ten, we've got Northwestern. Chicago's Big Ten team, Northwestern, over Illinois. This is a big rivalry game, but I think Northwestern wins this matchup. The Illini lost a heartbreaker against Iowa this past weekend, and I think some fans are questioning if Lovey is the guy. We went through this last season. I think a lot of people respect him as a man and as a coach and as a person, but as a football coach for the University of Illinois, it it hasn't been that good of an outcome, if I'm being honest. They went to a bowl game last season, which was great. They haven't been to a bowl in quite a while. But I think people are getting a little uh, anxious. People are ready for something else. And I think 
Lovey Smith's tenure may be running short. That's just my thoughts. My good friend Armand Sethi on Twitter, he said, and I quote, this game epitomizes Lovey tenure at Illinois. He's a great guy, not a great coach. Unfortunately, in his profession, you get paid millions of dollars to win games, not lose them. With a record of 17 and 38, the writing is on the wall. Anyone who disagrees is kidding themselves, Illini. So he tweeted that out yesterday. I retweeted that because I, I think it just reflects a lot of what Illinois fans are going through and how they feel. It's just an up and down roller coaster of emotions. And I think most fans are probably at the end of the ride and are, are ready to get off, ready to have Lovey get off. So if you were to ask me a couple weeks ago who I would have thought could win this game, I, you know, I would have said Illinois probably would have a shot to win it. But I just think they're going in the wrong direction and Northwestern is just picking up momentum and they just they have their eyes, you know, solely on Indianapolis for that Big Ten championship game. And I don't think they're gonna let Illinois get in the way of that goal. So I'm taking Northwestern over Illinois. In the Big Twelve, Oklahoma over West Virginia. That's a easy prediction. I'm sorry, Casey, but that's just an easy prediction. Oklahoma over the Mountaineers. In the Pac twelve, I'm taking Colorado over Utah. So I'm picking the Buffs in this game again for the second time in a row. The Buffs are currently 4-0. They're 3-0 in the Pac-12. They move into a tie for first place with number 17 USC. Colorado and USC are the only undefeated teams in the Pac-12. So I'm just going to continue riding the Colorado train and see if they can continue to get a win this weekend over Utah. Then in the SEC, I'm taking Florida over LSU. Florida has been playing great football. Florida is going to the SEC title game with their victory last weekend over Tennessee, which was a beatdown, 31-19. This is the first time the Gators have been SEC East champs since 2016. But in that matchup against Tennessee, Kyle Trask went off. The quarterback Trask went 35 for 49 for 433 yards and four touchdowns. So he is playing great ball. If we look at his stats more closely... Kyle Trask, through the first nine starts, has thrown for 3,243 yards with 38 touchdowns. His completion rating is 71.4%. He's only thrown three interceptions. So, I mean, his stats are insane. If we look at 2019, Joe Burrow, he threw for 3,198 yards, 33 pass TDs, but his completion rating was 78.9%, which seems crazy that he was able to have that high of a completion percentage in the SEC. Their schedule last season was was tough as hell, and Joe Burrow was able to win the Heisman. He only threw four interceptions that season, but Kyle Trask is on that same trajectory. I mean, he is playing very, very well, and he's a front runner for the Heisman if they can continue to win, and I, I don't think that they're going to stumble this weekend against LSU. Certainly, we all know LSU is not the same LSU from a season ago. They lost... A whole hell of a, a lot of people and players from their roster last year to this year. So I think Florida will roll this weekend and, and hats off to that team and to head coach Dan Mullen for getting this team ready and you know each week to compete at a high level. And now they're headed to the SEC championship game. So hats off to that program and the Florida Gators. So those are my picks for Week 15 action. Let me read them to you all one last time. In the ACC, I'm taking Pitt over Georgia Tech. In the Big Ten, Northwestern. Chicago's Big Ten team, Northwestern. Over Illinois. In the Big 12, Oklahoma over West Virginia. I'm sorry, Casey. 
in the Pac-12, Colorado over Utah. And in the SEC, the Florida Gators over LSU Tigers. So if we look at some other games for this weekend that are going to be big games that you should be glued to, UNC versus Miami. I just want to see what my man Sam Howell can do, even though he plays for UNC and I've been they're my sworn enemies growing up as an NC State fan. I am really impressed with Sam Howell and the way that he's been playing and the stats that he's been putting up. And I, I want to see what they can do against a Miami's, Miami defense that's been pretty pretty impressive. Uh, Miami's been playing very well this season, which has been great for that program, great for Manny Diaz, but I would love to see an upset at the hands of UNC this upcoming weekend against Miami. Then we also have USC versus UCLA. And, you know, even though USC is playing very well, UCLA has been putting together some some victories and they've been close in some matchups that you know has me thinking that they're not going to just roll over easily for USC. This is a rivalry game. I'll be glued to this game to see what happens, but you know, UCLA, you know, while they're not on the same level or same caliber as a USC program, they played some close ball. So they were very close to upsetting Colorado, the first game of the season, 48 to 42 was a loss there for the Bruins. Then they they were within three points, uh, four points of winning against number 11 Oregon. And you know I know Oregon is not the same Oregon from last season. They haven't looked that impressive. They had some players lost to that team coming into this season. Most notably, Justin Herbert is in the NFL, but they were within four points of winning that game there. And so they are competitive. They uh, they have a shot, I guess is what I'm trying to say, against USC. So I'll be really interested to see what happens in that matchup. We also have Washington versus Oregon. I think that'll be a, a fun game. And then, of course, we can't leave off Michigan versus Ohio State. Michigan hasn't beaten Ohio State in 3,298 days. I don't know that they're going to beat, I do know, I, I can say confidently, Michigan's not going to beat Ohio State this upcoming weekend, but that's always a fun rivalry game. That's a big time college football game. One of the biggest rivalries in all of college football, even though it's leaned Ohio State's way for like, what, the last decade or so. You know, I still get up for that game being a Midwest a kid growing up in the Chicagoland area. You know, that was always a big game in that area every season to watch. Um, and so, Fingers crossed that Michigan can pull up and up pull off an upset. I mean, I don't really have a rooting interest in that game, but it would be pretty funny if they were able to to upset them. I doubt that they will, but if they do, will that save Jim Harbaugh's job? Like, will Jim Harbaugh want to stay if they're able to upset Ohio State somehow? Who knows? Who knows? But you know, that's a big game that you all should uh, check out if if you uh, are able to this upcoming weekend. But it's going to be an exciting Week 15. And some exciting matchups. We're getting towards the end of the season. And so, you know, I can't wait to see how all the action unfolds this upcoming weekend. Before we get out of here, I do want to just mention the news that I saw on Twitter per Brett McMurphy that the Big Ten ADs reportedly will likely change the Big Ten title game requirements to allow 5-0 Ohio State in the title game if it can't play a six-league game, sources told Stadium. But it won't be an easy decision, sources said. A win in the Big Ten game would all but guarantee Buckeyes a spot in college football playoffs. If they do something so asinine as 
allow Ohio State to play in the Big Ten Championship game if their game this weekend against Michigan is canceled, that conference is a joke. It's a joke of a conference if they bend their own rules to accommodate Ohio State. And the argument will be, well, Ohio State is ranked very highly. This would be the best team to represent in the playoffs. So why not allow them the opportunity to get into the playoffs and see what happens? Maybe they'll have a shot to win it. Some people think they could win it. But what are we teaching players? What are we teaching society that you're just going to change the rules that you had already established to allow Ohio State to just bulldoze its way through to the playoffs? It just, it it doesn't seem right. This year has been crazy. And it's just like, what are we doing here? Literally, like, what are we doing here in this situation? It, it's, it's bad enough as it is that they played a season where they only had eight games on the schedule. Some teams didn't even play five games. Like, Wisconsin, Minnesota, like, they had, I feel like they had three cancellations already this season. It's like, was it worth all this effort to do this? And then you're going to change the rule on top of it? To accommodate Ohio State, the rule is the rule. If they get their game canceled this weekend against Michigan, give it to Indiana. And that will be a great story for the conference. Indiana has been playing great ball this season. Don't reward Ohio State because they are the darlings of the Big Ten. Don't cave in. Don't sink to that level to allow Ohio State to just bulldoze its way through and, and this is, you know, granted if that Michigan game is canceled. If not, you know, they're going to beat Michigan and they should go because they are the Big Ten champs. On paper, they'll, they'll be 6-0. and they, they deserve to go. But I'm just saying, don't bend the rules. Don't change the rules to allow Ohio State in. Because why? Like, what is the point of that? I think it's a bigger story to let Indiana make it in. You know, if there's a cancellation... Ohio State can't play. Indiana's next up. They've been playing great ball. And I would love to see that matchup, Indiana versus Northwestern. Because I honestly don't know who would win. I probably would favor Indiana. Offensively, you know, Indiana's been playing great ball. And so that would be a a treat to watch Indiana's offense against Pat Fitzgerald's defense at Northwestern. Chicago's Big Ten team, Northwestern. But seeing that tweet from Brett McMurphy just put me over the edge. It's that's a joke. That's that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But again, if they can play this weekend and beat Michigan, they deserve to go. But I'm just saying, don't change these rules that you had already established just to favor one school to get in. That just that just that set me off so much. You don't even know. I talk about Temple real quick. I mentioned the Temple program on my podcast last weekend or a couple weekends ago with my good friend Casey. Temple went 1-6 this season. They had a very, very disappointing season. They had some uh, some injuries. They had some suspensions. They had some players that had COVID. COVID was a problem for the Temple program this year. So they never really had a full roster of starters uh, each week consistently. So, you know, you need that consistency to, in order to build reps and build confidence and win games. And so they didn't have that consistency. So, you know, and I'm not making excuses. I'm not, I'm not trying to make any excuses, but that's a rough go. COVID has has thrown a wrench in all programs across the board. Temple is no different. We've seen players leave the program. Ray Davis announced that he was leaving early this season. He had played like three games or something like that. Anthony Russo just announced recently that he'll be transferring out of the program. So things are going to look a lot different for the Temple Owls program starting next season. We've seen this 
the last few seasons, players transferring out. We've seen uh, some coaches leave as well. So head coach Rod Carey, he's going to get his chance to to put his team together the way he wants it. And we're going to see what he can do. Hopefully we'll be out of the pandemic next season and we'll, we'll get a, a true football season next year. But Rod Carey is going to have his work cut out for him. And we'll see if he can be a winner here at Temple. We know he was a winner at NIU. He's, he was a very successful coach there. Took the the NIU Huskies to the MAC championship a bunch of times during his tenure. They've won a handful of times as well. You know, they go to bowl games. NIU was the best program in Illinois for over a decade, I want to say, for at least a decade. I'm from there, originally from that area. And so Rod Carey decides to leave all that success to come to Temple. And I'll give Temple the credit. You know, they've been, they have a great program here as of recently. They're a team that churns out players to the NFL consistently. They 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 had a very good program here. They had the foundation for that program to just to continue to have success. And so they had a down year this year, and that's unfortunate. But we're going to see what Rod Carey can do next season. He's going to do it his way with his his players and his coaches. So we'll see if this guy is a winner. I honestly question why he'd want to come here. You know, I would have thought being successful coach at NIU you know you'll be able to get offers somewhere else maybe in the Big Ten even you know Illinois not too far away Illinois has just not had luck in football recently so you would have thought maybe they tap on the the door of Rod Carey up at NIU and DeKalb to see if he wants to come coach uh, for the Illini but at, at any rate he decides to leave I don't know why he left I, I don't have any of that background but he came here, and he's going to get his chance to try to win next season. And I hope he does, because this program has started to win. They know what winning feels like and what it tastes like. And I just don't think this program is going to allow mediocrity to sink in. And so I just that's my two cents. I'm, I'm really curious to see what's going to happen. And, and seeing things on social media about coaches not keeping their end of the bargain. And I'm reading between the lines there, but not uh, an ideal situation, I would think, right now. So we'll see if that all gets shaked out and shaped up next season. But I just wanted to share my thoughts on that program. And we'll, you know, I'm excited to see what the future holds for Temple. So with that, I want to thank you all for downloading this episode. Thank you for being a friend. And hope you guys are being safe and, and staying sane during this pandemic. And, uh, you know, we'll get through this at some point in the near future is my hope. But with that, I want to thank you. Take care, everybody. Be good. Happy holidays. And I'll talk to you very, very soon. Take care, y'all. Thank you again for tuning into my Cherry Picking Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website cherrypickingsports.com. If you are looking to interact with me via social media, my Twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin. That's P-I-C-K-I-N. On my Twitter, you'll also find a link to my blog where I post my weekly college football predictions and analysis. I can also be reached via email at cherrypickinsports at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes. I sincerely thank you for your support, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.